0: Coming up with the best solution for the visual problem is always going to be your best bet. And if you lose the job, you lost it because the other company thought through the solution in a much different way.
1: Hi, I'm Joel Pilger, and you're listening to episode 62 of the Rev Thinking Podcast. Today, our guest is Carolyn Hill, president at Carolyn Reps, and our topic is the sales translator.
0: Welcome to Rev Thinking. The podcast for creative entrepreneurs who know the best way to deal with the future is to create it. This is the conversation between creative leaders and consultants, discussing what it really takes to run a thriving creative business.
1: Hi from Colorado, I am back in the home office. One of the multiple offices from which we RevThink consultants work. Um, Hard to believe I was gone for almost a month. But it's good to be back and good to be back with you here on the Rev Thinking Podcast. Very much looking forward to today's episode with Carolyn Hill. Carolyn is the president at Carolyn Reps in New York City. And if you're like a lot of owners, you probably think, man, I would love to have a great sales rep because every owner thinks he or she has a sales problem. So what about you? Do you think you have a sales problem when it comes to getting your production company, your studio, agency out there in the world. You think, man, if somebody could just do sales for me, that would be amazing. That would be the dream. Well, let's just say you are not alone because every owner thinks they have a sales problem. And you probably have said to yourself on occasion or to your partners, you know, we need a rep. We need a salesperson. And maybe that's true, but maybe not. So stay tuned and listen to what Carolyn has to say. It's going to be awesome. Uh, let me first mention, we have two sponsors this week on the podcast. Very cool. Yes, our first sponsors who are backing what we are doing here on the Rev Thinking podcast. So for the first time, I'm proud to say we want to welcome the Alliance of Content and Design Companies. That is ACDC. This is the organization that is being formed. It's helping member studios and production companies thrive by forming common industry standards sharing legal resources, and building a supportive community. You can learn about ACDC by going to theacdc.com. We're big, proud fans of ACDC and what that organization is becoming. Also, another sponsor, Buttons. Now, this is a network of digital innovators dedicated to inventing new ways to deliver sound, as well as post-finishing that pushes the envelope of technology. Buttons is at 45th Street in Manhattan, Rich and his team at Buttons were kind enough to help us produce today's episode. Okay, a few announcements before we get into our conversation with Carolyn. First of all, cohort, the quarterly cohorts of creative entrepreneurs. Our next gathering dinner will be February 21st in Los Angeles with our featured guest, Lucas Aragon at ABC television. The topic's going to be the world needs your creative leadership. Lucas is awesome. You're going to love him. And March 7th is New York. With guess what? Carolyn Hill from Carolyn Reps. And we're going to talk about why you don't need a rep. Go to revthink.com slash events for more info on those events. Also, Jumpstart, my accelerator. Very cool that a bunch of studios jumped in this week from New York, from Austin, Detroit, and even from as far away as Sydney, Singapore, and London. And if you know me, this gets me going. It's going to be a small group of owners of up-and-coming studios, Pushing their studios to the next level in just eight weeks. And I am going to be their co-conspirator on this journey. It's going to be awesome. Go to RevThink.com slash Jumpstart if you're curious. Also, Confab. This is the weekly forum with RevThink. We just launched this a couple weeks ago. It's exclusively for alumni of the Jumpstart Accelerator. And it's going great. If you're an alumni and you want to get involved, go to RevThink.com slash Confab, C-O-N-F-A-B. Last week, we got into the nitty-gritty of the splits. We had Tim Thompson, Jason Fletcher, both consultants from RevThink, talking all about how do we organize our finances in a creative company so that we can have bulletproof profits. It was cool. And we walked through all the spreadsheets and all of the numbers and the d- nitty-gritty stuff that even makes my head spin. So thank you, Tim and Jason. Digital Design Days, Business Edition. This is a conference coming up in whoop six days from now, and I'm speaking there in Geneva, Switzerland. Now, this is a three-day event uniting the world's best creative and business minds to grow business through digital design thinking. That sounds like fun. So it's keynotes and workshops, digital installations, networking, and of course, parties. One of my favorite things. The dates are February 11th through 13 in Geneva. I'll be there. Don't miss it. If you're in Europe, you got to come. The info, web address, go to ddd.ge, as in triple D Geneva. Okay, let's get to today's podcast. Who is Carolyn Hill? Well, look, Carolyn is president at Carolyn Reps. Okay, so what that means is Carolyn and her team are the experts at solving tough problems to win top projects for production companies and studios. Simple enough. So since 01, 2001, her clients have been awarded well over $100 in projects, Yes, I think I just literally said $100 million in projects, including campaigns for United Airlines and the Olympics, Dunkin' Donuts, Abilify. She's famous for the Nasonex B campaign. Uh, Spiriva, did I pronounce that right? The Rosie the Elephant campaign. Carrabbas, uh many more, many more. So Carolyn has represented such notable production companies and studios as Bark Bark. Hey, Brian was on the show just the previous episode. Blind, my friend Chris Doe out there in Los Angeles. He's been on the show. Curious Pictures, Derby Content, Noble Animation, Pogo Pictures, the Production Service Network, PSN, Seville Productions, and Sound Lounge. I could go on. Now, let me just say this. If you love what Carolyn has to say about sales, please listen all the way through the end of this podcast because towards the end, Carolyn and I started brainstorming about this idea of, Hey, what if we put together some sort of an event where we could help a small group of owners and their sales teams master all of these concepts. And anyways, it might, if it's something you're interested in, if you would like to join Carolyn and me and some other experts for like a one day event, we would love to hear from you so you can join in and get all of her sales mojo. All right. That's the intro. Sorry for all of the details. There's just a lot going on, but hey, that's what it's all about. It's exciting. 2019 is off with a bang. All right. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Carolyn Hill. Well, I've been looking forward to this conversation because let's see, when did you and I first start chatting about having, a, having you on a podcast? I think it was a couple months ago.
0: Yeah. I talked to Tim originally at Promax and that was last
1: year. I'm pretty okay. sure.
0: Or was it two years ago? No, it was last year.
1: Yeah, don't say two years ago because then it I'm going to I'm going to freak out. Don't freak out. <laughs> well, Carolyn, it's great to chat with you because I think of you as somebody that. Well, I okay. So full disclosure, I think I even remember pursuing you as a rep back when I ran my studio and production company, which is now I guess four years uh, since it was acquired. Yeah, and I w- and just to be totally honest, I didn't quite rate your level. So I'm sure you were very polite and like, hey, thanks, but no thanks or whatever it was.
0: I hope I was um, nice.
1: (laughs) um, No, I'm sure you were. But I can remember as as an owner, I was always sort of in the habit of reaching out to the really killer reps because I thought, God, I just want to know these people. I don't know that I'm ready to be represented at that level, but I thought it would always be good to get to know you. But now that I've gotten acquainted with you over these past whatever... 9 months. It's been so fun to understand okay. your world better. So let me let's let's introduce everyone else. Sure. that might be listening to that world. And I'll just start by asking this. What the heck does a rep do really?
0: I think it's an excellent question because what it used to do and what it does now are like two totally different things. Mm. In the olden days, reps were basically what we called real carriers because the way that information was disseminated was not online. Okay. So it had to be, it was a static piece of equipment that had to be hand carried a lot of times over to the people who needed to see the reel or the work. I'm not old enough to be doing 16 millimeter, but I do remember three quarter inch tapes. Yeah.
1: So right when the you.
0: internet first came up, producers would say to me, "Oh, it's going to just, you know, it's going to eliminate your job." But it's actually done the exact opposite. And I had this conversation I think last week with someone very high up at one of the um one of the cable companies we call them that, yeah, cable companies, who runs multiple channels. And she said to me, I logged into the such and such site and, oh, my God, all the reels look the same. Help me. I don't know what I'm looking at. Help. Mm. Mm. (laughs) So because this person and I have a lot of the same tastes and we have a lot of the same history, she trusted me to kind of go through and say, well, I would look at this or I would look at that. And in that situation, I didn't even actually represent Anything that she was talking about, I was just trying to help her look through the information. So that's what the job is now. It's looking through the information and matching people. And when I mean matching people, I mean taking a kinds of temperaments and aesthetics that artists have and matching them with the right clients. So I'm trying to interpret. – I'm like interpreter. I take what the artist does, mm. I interpret it, and then I bring it to corporate corporate America. So I kind of walk both of those lines.
1: Well, I think there's a, a, I'm curious to hear more about why, what, what really changed in that nature of, you called it, we used to be real carriers, yeah. meaning almost like mail carriers, right? You totally. would actually have three quarter inch tapes and DVDs under your arms mm-hmm. and you would walk across town. And it, cause I think there's this, um, maybe a fantasy isn't too strong of a word that some studio owners and production companies, they think that if, well, if I could just have one of my DVDs or my website under Carolyn's arm, if I just, quote, get on her roster, then the rest is just going to happen. But clearly, it's shifted over the years. Was it ever like that? I mean, it's certainly Mm. not that way now.
0: You know what? I think a long time ago when there were maybe like you could name The 10 to 12 studios that existed, Mm -hmm. I think it sort of worked like that um, just because of the amount of work that was out there versus the number of people available to do it. And the thing is, as the equipment has become less expensive, as schools are, you know, spitting out these multi-talented people that can do everything, direct, animate, shoot – edit you know they're totally multi talented they also are photographers or whatever it is it's changed what the business has become because of what's available if does that make sense
1: oh yeah yeah okay.
0: so it 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 was like that a very long time ago but it is definitely splintered into factions now where it's not like that at all. And what happens is that the buyers in the market become overwhelmed with information. And then they're looking for these trusted sources to go to just for basically consultation to say, this is the type of project I have. This is what I'm looking for. What do you recommend? Now, much Mm. to my own Detriment. I have frequently recommended people, companies, and whatever that I don't represent at all, but that I respect or know are the right skill set for the person who's asking me. But what happens is that because I have such a long history of doing that, like twenty plus years, people, the clients who do come to me and ask me what to do about their projects, they pretty much show me almost everything they do because they know I'm not going to give them a biased opinion. And in a lot of times, the person I'm talking to, I've done hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars worth of work with. And that also changes things drastically because it changes the way the conversation goes because they'll tell me if I they like what I've sent or if they react to what I'm sending. So this goes back to what you and I talked about also about lead lists and whatnot. Like for example, Mm -hmm. there's a producer I know really, really well. And she asked me for these specific live action reels and I sent her five from my roster. I said, okay, what do you think of these? And she was super kind and she watched everything carefully and she wrote me right back and said, I don't like this aspect of the reels. What do you have that's more in line with this sort of storytelling? And I said, you know what? I didn't send you this one thing because I didn't think it was right for your job. But why don't you look at this reel? And, of course, she looked right at it and was like, this is perfect. I like this. And I was like, oh, okay, there you go. Because the thing is you're trying to interpret a visual medium using words, which is very difficult. And when you try to do that and then you're even putting it through the filter of email, I mean, Mm -hmm. oh, my God, forget it. (laughs)
1: Well, here's I like I love what you're saying because I I would love for you to unpack something. Sure. Because you're reminding me, I had a conversation months ago with Blair Enns, who's the he's the Win Without Pitching uh, Mm -hmm. CEO. Yep. And we we were both talking about how the nature of sales in the creative industries has really changed over the past ten years. Yeah. You know, principally because of Google and LinkedIn. Yes, um, and you know Vimeo, YouTube, and so forth. Mm-hmm. But but here's what we agreed was that in the old days, or you call them the olden days, the olden days. I, I love that; it's adorable. <laughs> um, I remember those days, uh, but I call them the glory days. But in those days, uh, there was a certain, you know, a, a really good salesperson, and I'm guessing this is true of reps. You could do a certain amount of like, if, as long as I make enough calls and I take enough meetings, I show enough reels, the work just shows up. But now. Because everyone has access to everyone, the sales process has shifted, and it's now a lot more consultative. Because I heard you say that word a second ago—that yeah. that your clients reach out to you as a consultant—and yes. I thought that's so interesting because most people don't think of the sales process as a consultative process. Yeah, but I find that to be very true, and the dis- situation you just walked us through was very much that—that that it was this mm-hmm. very slow. Yep, and methodical process that you're walking somebody through. And I also hear that if you don't have the perfect fit on your roster, you're still happy to recommend and refer because at the end of the day, you're a consultant. So you're here to solve the problem, whether or not the person is on your roster. Because if you can share your expertise and build that trust, that's everything. Absolutely.
0: I mean, this is the whole thing is you have to be obsessed with the business. Mm. and I am one of those people, I can't help it. I have to know, and I'm obsessed with the business. And the thing is, when you have that level of knowing credits for 20 years and you can pull out information very quickly, then you can kind of help the producer understand where you're coming from by using those frame of references. You know, there's there's certain things that we get, uh, Amanda and I, my coworker, you know, I'd say every other week, if not once a week, things like the Minority Report where Tom Cruise is standing in a room and he's moving the graphics around. I mean, that's a reference I get all the time. Or the introduction (laughs) to Mad Men or, you know, there are all these things that are like the pillars of like, well, I want it to look like this, you know, and then insert name. It could be Spike Jones. I got that like, yes, on Friday. (laughs) Like, I mean – You know, there are always those certain points of reference. But if you know what those points of reference are and you know who those vendors are off the top of your head, then it's very quick for you to be able to say, Oh yes, I understand. Okay, you're talking about a flat 2D with a little bit of, you know, after effects. Mm -hmm. Okay, let me get something. So that's the thing is a lot of times you'll get a call that's so broad it's ridiculous. Things like, I need animation. Okay. What are you Mm. talking about? Mm. (laughs) You know, and sometimes they mean 2D and they don't understand. Sometimes, you know, we get a lot of Pixar references, obviously. But then you show them exactly what they ask for. And it's like, oh no, that's not what I was thinking at all.
1: Well, I love that you used that other term earlier when you said I'm often I'm a translator, Mm
0: -hmm. because
1: you're taking these somewhat vague or nebulous or whatever terms about a project and you're translating them and saying, wait. By that, do you mean, and maybe you should think about, so I'm I'm curious, I think there's also this misunderstanding when we talk about you being a translator, that maybe a lot of studios and production companies think that the decision of an award for a job, of course it comes down to who has cool creative or has the aesthetic that the client is looking for. I would actually love to hear you describe how that is perhaps one aspect that's very important. Yeah. But but there's all these other dimensions. There are. Of why a deal comes together that yes. has perhaps little to do with the creative or the the um aesthetic.
0: Sometimes, yes. Yeah, Sometimes what, are the, what are those they'll... other dimensions? Well, right now it's um people preserving their job. So, you could have an um, amazing treatment from a brand new director who's maybe been, you know, or animator who's been maybe working one to two years. And there's just no way you're going to get the job over said very established award-winning, you know, animation company, production company. There's just no way.
1: So trust is a big variable.
0: Yes. They want to be able to go to the layers above them and say, but I hired so-and-so who won, you know, two Emmys and has done blah, blah, blah. And if If you don't have that reference of fill in the blank, you know, then you got nowhere to go. So Mm -hmm. sometimes I can see what's happening with the with the agency or the client just based on who's involved with the bid, which is why we usually ask who's involved with the bid, because mm-hmm. if you're coming in and you're up against some of the really big studios and like, for example, if you're going to be doing stop motion and you're up against Ardman, I'm going to tell you right now, that's a hard slog.
1: Mm-hmm. Of course, because that and, the, and they're not just awarding or considering someone like an Ardman simply because their work is great. That's sort of table stakes, right? There's a lot more that goes into that name and why they might hire them.
0: Absolutely. So anytime you've got, you know, Oscar caliber work, it's going to be a hard slog. It doesn't mean it can't be done, but... Mm -hmm. It, it makes it more difficult because there are all these other things like PR and awards. And do people know the name of your company? Have they heard the name of your company? Have you worked on brands they've heard of? It also depends on what area you're selling to. Is this overseas? Is it U.S.? Is it New York? New York being by far the hardest because mm-hmm. New York, they want to see nationally known brands by nationally known people that people know nationally. And if you don't have that, don't send it. Now, on the other hand, those are going to be generally for the, like the big broadcast. You know, we're coming off the Super Bowl, so I'm all in my Super Bowl head. But, <laughs> you know, as one of my EPs pointed out to me today when we were just talking about this, it's like, yeah, but remember, they have all this other content they have to do. and dah, dah, dah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's very true. So strangely enough, the way that the Internet has evolved and the way we use it for communications has actually meant that there is actually more work out there. Mm-hmm. Which is better for everybody? Because they now the brands or channels or shows or whatever it is that you're creating for, they need visuals for Instagram or in Facebook and their website and maybe like you know B two B type stuff. I mean, I I'm th- I'm doing very well with B two B communications right now that are visually driven that nobody's oh, ever yeah. going to see.
1: Oh, I love the B two B game because some of these yeah because some of these studios or or production companies almost go in in an agency-esque sort of offering right Mm -hmm. and they can create really amazing engagements so let me let me ask this question because i think back there when you were talking about the credentials yeah of right so if you're competing if you're on carolyn's roster and you're competing against a big name like an ardman or something Mm -hmm. the client, the agency, whatever—they're asking questions like, "Well, what awards have you won? Have you done yes. these national spots? Have you, you know, have you worked with these types of brands?" Yes. And I know people listening when they hear that they go, "Oh, just give me a chance, just give me a shot, and I'll be able to do that too." And the, clearly, there's a chicken and an egg conundrum here because people listening think, "Well, well, I don't have that level of work, but if you represented me," then we would. And then it'll all just fall into place. But I think that's a gross oversimplification.
0: It is. It is. Because what you would get are the ancillary projects that come in that are like these strange, quirky, (laughs) you know, the supportive material for these larger brands or shows that, you know, you're not sure where it's going to run and whatnot. That's all true. But the first thing is, as a, as a quote unquote rep myself, is that, A, I'm super picky and I say no most of the time. Yeah. I'm a New Yorker and my first answer, no matter what you ask me, is no. If you give me <laughs> a really good argument, it might get to maybe.
1: I love but that. E-
0: even some of my best companies, um, one of which you know quite well, I mean, even blind, I, it took them three times asking me to represent them when I finally said yes.
1: Yeah. Well, I love this. You are reminding me of this quote that I was I shared with me in, in London week before last from Warren Buffett. Oh, that my. the difference! The difference between successful people and really successful people is that really successful people say no to almost everything. <laughs>
0: Uh, wow. I'm so, so glad that me and the sage of Omaha are feeling the same way about how business needs to proceed. I always thought it was just the New Yorker in me, but apparently in Nebraska, they think that as well.
1: Apparently so. You got, you're got you in good company. <laughs> but I love it because I, here's what I know. Every, every owner listening would admit, yeah, I I have a sales problem. Okay. I don't care if you're... I know owners that are running 40 and $50 million studios, and of yeah. course, ones that are running 400000 a year mm-hmm. studios. And every one of them will say, to some extent or another, we've got a sales problem. And what I think is there's this little dream or fantasy they have in their mind called, you know, I don't really understand why. And to be honest, I'm not that great at sales myself, or I don't really understand it. But if I, if I could just have a shortcut... Yeah. If if somebody could just do that for me, that would be great. And, And my encouragement to people is you can't delegate that which you don't understand yourself.
0: Absolutely.
1: Why is that?
0: Because sales has to do with people. It's not about the word sales. It's about people. So you may feel like you saw this unknown studio that just you know, catapulted up to the top of the of the list and whatnot. It's like, no, actually, they came from, you know, big product big company from back in the day. Or, you know, I was just talking about, was I talking about it with you about Colossal in San mm-hmm. Francisco? Mm-hmm. And how like so many people came from there. And it's like, oh my God, right. Yeah, they worked at Colossal. Okay, right. Okay. That makes sense. So then you kind of go back to this like, oh, all right. It seems like they came out of nowhere. But no, they came from, you know, one of the big companies at the time that was so successful. So therefore their client relationships with the, you know, the the, just say the -the run-of-the-mill agency producer at the time in the mid-2000s, now suddenly that person's ahead of production or is at a client or is at a gaming company. And when you're starting out, those are the people that you end up finishing with too. So you have to keep up all your relationships, Mm. which goes back to, you know, the other things about, What you need to do as an owner of a company, how you're forward facing, you know, how are you forward facing?
1: Well, okay, so just to really draw drill home what you just said there, because I think it's so key. Is what I heard you saying was these studios, the the production companies that seem like oh, overnight success. Mm Right. Like they just got that Super Bowl spot or or whatever. They're on yeah. they're on Carolyn's roster or this other big rep's roster. Oh my God. If we could just do that, it's, yeah. it's 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 really easy to grossly oversimplify when in reality it only took that owner or that studio ten years perhaps to become That's quote right. an overnight success.
0: Absolutely.
1: Right. And along that along that journey, I would submit, those people were learning how to create trust, how yeah. to share their expertise, how to have a very narrow point of view. And I know sales is a bit of a dirty word. They're learn- they were learning how to do all of that in the context of, hey, I want to solve your problems. And that's a sales conversation.
0: Absolutely. Because if the clients or channels are going to spend tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars, they absolutely have to know who they're dealing with. It's mm-hmm. just key. Mm-hmm. And it can seem like somebody got a large assignment and you're just not sure. But maybe the, that company from back in the day came from like, I don't know, I'm gonna name companies that are no longer with us, but that <laughs> spurned a lot of people like Super Fat or Curious Pictures or motion theory. I mean, there are great, great companies that people have come, come out of and then they've kind of invented their own path but they would have relationships from the 2000s or whatnot. I mean, God forbid, even the 90s, that would translate into work today because they would have a history with, with the people that are their clients.
1: So you, I heard you say, I say no most of the time. Yep, just a like, lot. Just like Mr. Buffett. Mm-hmm. And just to be clear, I'll put you on the spot here a little bit. Sure. Because I know some people listening are like, oh, I want to... I want to meet more people like Carolyn. Uh-huh. You don't just say no to clients and the th- things that are not a fit. You say no to a lot of people that reach out to you and say, hey, please, uh, you know, can I be on your roster? Can, I, can you take me on? Can you help me? I need sales, what have you. I know that's got to be disheartening because you must say no all the time to these people that you're like, I wish I could help them does that, does that become disheartening at times? Yeah,
0: it does. It's almost every day. I mean, yeah, it also depends on how they approach me. It helps a lot if they use a name or say so-and-so wanted me to meet you. That's a totally different thing because I would mm-hmm. at least, you know, meet with them to say, okay, what are you trying to do? And then kind of take it from there. But a cold email is definitely not. The way to approach me now, on the other <laughs> hand, if you're cold emailing me right after you just won you know three cans gold lions, sure I'm probably going to take a look at your work and I want to have a conversation
1: well, in a way that's not truly cold anymore this is the how do you make a, a cold email at least a little bit warm right through a, a mutual friend or yeah. some sort of a some something because you know you, I've seen a few of the cold emails that you get you've oh been God. Kind of Kind enough to share a few with me, yeah. But all in the spirit of helping people, because you send these people to me, and you say, Joel, you really need to help these guys. Like, look how, yeah. And I mean, to be to be honest, like how bad of a fail this is. They're reaching out cold. Yeah. They don't understand how to position themselves. Mm -hmm. They 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 clearly don't understand if they like if this is how they reach out to clients when they're trying to do sales like god help them
0: yeah it's a little scary and that's when you find out that the client side slash agency side a lot of them like don't even read their emails they have other email accounts because they get so much spam and the ones that they mm-hmm. do have you learn a lot by being close with those people and it sometimes i mean a cold email could work i'd say one out of Mm 10,000. But generally speaking, unless you're sending really relevant work to exactly what they're doing, which is what I try to do, um, it's not really your best bet.
1: Mm -hmm. All right. So let's maybe, maybe let's, let's unpack that. I mean, that's sort of the the sad story. It is. Let's, let's, let's maybe uh, turn a little bit of an encouragement uh, corner here. (laughs) Yeah. And that is, I know that you have like you have obviously an expertise and an understanding and a process. Yeah. And I'm just wondering if maybe we could help anyone listening and give them a sense, just at least on from a high level, like what are some of the best practices? If I was going to, you know, if I just sent you a, say a studio and I just sent you a cold email and it was, it's atrocious. And you were going to spend a few hours or a day with me and sort of coach me through, okay, Joel, you, here's, here's what you need to know. Yep. Are there are are there like the three or four bullet points or something that we might be able to share with people?
0: Yes, absolutely. The first one is what does your website look like? What's on your website? Do you have professional photos on your website, like of yourself or your business partners or the directors Mm. or the creative directors? Mm. Um, Your outward facing how professional it looks is really, really, really important. Um, I also once had a client say to me, I was in a rush and it was really late at night and I needed to look for graphics reels. And let me tell you right now, Carolyn, can you please make sure anybody you represent like that has their montage playing on the landing page or a way for me to click on it immediately when I need to quickly kind of see what the studio is about. Nice. That was very good feedback from a client. Um, then I would just say PR so that people know the name of your company. Uh, maybe buy some, do some online advertising. You know, you're we're in a marketing world. You want to participate mm-hmm. in marketing. I would also say um, belonging to the organizations we brought up. We were talking earlier about Promax, um, or AICP or Can or the one the one sh- the one club has really good events. Art directors club mm-hmm. going yeah. to events, being part of the business, trying to get yourself on those judging panels. Um, you know, trying to be on a board, anything like that, where you're participating in the business, so that you're not coming to someone cold because at least they've heard the name of your company. Yeah, uh, and then I huge. would go to what I would call, yeah, the content. So content meaning. Did you win any awards? Are you doing okay, let's say you're not doing any award-winning work. you're doing mainly pharmaceutical or B2B. Well, what can you do to help yourself? Do personal work. Mm. And when you do personal work that and that then perhaps you could become a Vimeo pick of the day. Now if someone cold emails me and it's an animator I've never heard of and they're at least sending me a Vimeo pick of the day, there's about a 75 to 80% chance I'm going to click on the link to watch it. <laughs> so, getting people to watch the work and engage with your work and what you're doing is a really big part of the job.
1: Man, I love this stuff. I love this <laughs> stuff. Okay, so what about the, the when when you start getting into some of these later stages because I think I just wrote down five points, which is really <laughs> cool. When uh, let's say when someone Transitions into the okay. I made. I made. I've, I'm now successfully moving people from unaware to aware, mm-hmm. which we we would call good marketing. Yep. And and hopefully that's even stirring up some interest when yeah. they start to talk with somebody who has intent. Meaning, mm-hmm. there's actually a project. Yep. We we do have a need.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: This is often where. Especially the owners, they can't get out of their own way yeah. often yeah. because they're, you know, they're they're addicted to cash or, you know, they're oh, they're, they're, des- they're desperate, right? Or they're like, oh my god, I've always wanted to work for this brand, and and they they make some common mistakes. What what do you think are some of the best practices once that conversation gets underway?
0: It's what are the materials you're presenting to the potential clients, and this is where how professional your organization is coming off is really, really, really important. Um, Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is, do you have a PDF that's like, you know, this is who the company is. Here are some photos. Here are some stills, you know, some screenshots taken out Mm -hmm. of some of the work that we've done that you you might recognize. Maybe it's a show up and maybe it's a commercial maybe it's B2B. Maybe it's a character you invented. I don't know, whatever it is. So is there some sort of a deck about your company that people can reference? Um, And that's – so you have the website as one and then some sort of a deck about the company because your history, who you are, your bio, where you came from, anything that could make someone feel like they've got a connection to you is really important. Mm -hmm. And that could be as simple as, you know, you were born in Manhattan and maybe the client was too or maybe you went to RISD and the client's (laughs) kid goes there. Like you just don't know. So you're trying to throw out – pertinent information so that there's some sort of personal connection that can come through the information that you're providing them.
1: Meaning be a human being.
0: Exactly. Because it's all about (laughs) one-on-one contact, right?
1: Now, when I think of myself, if if I'm a buyer and I'm receiving all of that goodness that you just described, is it safe to assume that you as the seller, meaning this owner that we're uh, pretending out there, shouldn't Like it's not going to be about price at this point. No, because this is such a this still blows me away. How many, especially firms internationally, are they're behind in the sense that they think, well, we're quote just as good as fill in the blank, Mm -hmm. right? We're just as good as blind or something. Yeah, but but we're cheaper. And I Mm -hmm. always tell them, please do not say that anywhere, because that's not that's not part of the modern sales conversation. No, because really the clients are almost picking you before that even comes up. Like, we'll get to that. Yeah. Is that true? Definitely. In your experience?
0: Definitely true. And the thing is, the race to the bottom is not something you want to be involved in. Mm -mm. So, I mean, it's useful to know, are they talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars? Are they talking about tens of thousands of dollars? I mean, the last thing you want to do is get on a call about a big VR project, and it turns out they have Mm $50,000. So, you know, there's always a way to create, skin a creative cat. Now, on the other hand, if they have $50,000 and you think that they might be able to do some sort of installation that you'd be able to do for them, so you're offering them creative solutions. Definitely the most successful studios I've seen do this over and over again, where they take what the client needs and either can execute it so that it's exactly what the client's vision is, and that's why they get repeat business, or I've seen them steer the client into this other way, this other direction that's going to accommodate the budget better and is going to actually look better for what the goal is for what they're trying to achieve visually mm.
1: yeah, I was just tweeting today a line that you might appreciate that 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 echoes that sentiment um, and it was one of my it was one of my accelerator graduates who was in this private group um, and he was talking about we're learning that it's better to focus on the problem, not the project. Uh-huh. And yep. I thought, ooh, that, that's such a concise way of putting it, where like, forget about the project for while you're in this sales conversation. What's the problem? And that's what I heard you saying, is yeah. sometimes you're coming back and saying, hey, I know you asked for whatever, a 30-second spot. But what about a solution like this yeah. that actually solves your problem better? Oh, and it's going to hit your budget, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking you as a consultant, you must do a lot of that.
0: Absolutely. Oh, I'll tell you one of the ones that always made me laugh was that when back in the day when I represented Rhythm and Hughes, and we got contacted to do this project and they wanted to make this CGI character and we submitted a budget and did a great treatment and everything and we lost the job because the other company we were bidding against proposed doing an in-camera solution of a puppet. Mm. And it was nothing that we ever would have thought of because Rhythm and Hughes is a big CGI company that comes up with 3D big characters or, you know, photo real animals at the time. So when I found out what the solution was to the company that got it, I was like, oh my God, wow. Okay. Well, they they were able to take that conversation in a completely different direction and that's why they got the job. So there you go.
1: So, so in retrospect, uh, when you think back on that, what what would you do differently the next time? Like just be a little more consultative and think outside the box?
0: I think coming up with the best solution for the visual problem is always going to be your best bet. And most of the time, if you lose the job, other than if there's politics around the decision, it's usually going to be that you lost it because the other company, animator, whoever that is, thought through the solution in a much different way.
1: Mm. Yeah, and that that obviously for that person who wins, that's a competitive advantage that's really hard to overcome. Definitely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) A little ingenuity goes a long way.
1: Yeah. So in other words, you want to be that guy. that Ideally. Yeah, that innovated and said, hey, I think the deeper problem is this. Yes. And this Mm -hmm. solution might, yeah. Yep. That's really interesting. Yep. Well, I was sitting here, as you were telling that story, I was sitting here thinking about how cool it would be. At some point, because I know you're a generous soul, and we've talked about how you're you're in this position where you really do want to help the industry start to evolve and grow and master this sales process and I was sitting here thinking, "How could I get you on stage? Oh my, <laughs> yeah, because you know increasingly what we're doing at Revthink is doing of course we have accelerators that are sort of online, but I know. It would be really cool, I would think, for a group of owners if they could sit in a room with you for a day and actually go through all of this in a structured way. And I, think I know that makes that's,
0: a lot of sense. Well, I mean, it's yeah. asking
1: a lot, a lot of you because um, you obviously have expertise and, and connections and insights and all this kind of thing that you, that you bring first and foremost to your, to your clients, meaning the people on your roster but are you do you think someday you'll be in a position to share it with a, a larger audience
0: yeah absolutely we could just run through some of the crazy emails that I get and tell them that try not to do this. That's a full day right there.
1: But, I was gonna say we, we that could be like a whole um <laughs> right, like a whole QA of of just like, okay, let's let's show you what not to do. And yes. then you can ask us, well, how would you have done it, Carol? Yes.
0: I think that would be I would love to give some feedback to definitely some of the people who've reached out to me regarding either A email protocol, B website issues see any sort of um pr not pr work real construction is another one Mm -hmm. i do a lot of like please either let me make the real or let me tell you what please not to put on the real you know the quality of what's on the real meaning like the resolution that sort of stuff There are things people are not Thinking through, even if there happens to be a slate on the beginning of the spot. I mean, there's some (laughs) things that you see where you're just like, "Oh my God, why would you send that?"
1: Ah, ah." What are you thinking? Yes. So, so I just was thinking too. You know, it would be fun. Is I would love to actually uh, join you on that stage and preach some of this gospel that I've been preaching about. Here's how to position your firm. You know, so that you're leading with trust and expertise, not with services and commodities all this stuff, but you and I definitely have, you know, like we have a a good vibe going on on a lot of these topics. It would be fun to, to get into all this stuff.
0: I think we have a lot in common (laughs) about Mm. what we've seen and what we've been exposed to and what we can feel, what we feel could actually work for someone. Yeah.
1: Well, and I think also uh, you have a broad perspective on the industry, not, not so much just from the years, but from working with a lot of firms and a lot of clients and that's a valuable perspective. And that's very much a part of what I'm hoping to bring to the industry as well is, yes, I've worked with, I don't know, a hundred or whatever studios and firms and I'm seeing the patterns. And I think you're yeah. also seeing the patterns. So when you and I get together, it's kind of like, Ooh, you see that too? Yeah, I yeah, see that. For sure. You know? So now how do we, how do we get it out there and in, in a way that helps everyone?
0: One-on-one or at least talking to the group think is good.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, maybe we should do this. We should invite anyone that's listening that's saying ooh i would I would be down for that." Um Let's just put that thought starter out there and say if if you're listening and you're saying, "Hey, I would love to take part in whatever might come out of that conversation. I would love to sit and you know spend a day under Carolyn's tutelage or something like that to to get in touch with us because maybe we can figure out a way to start giving some of this knowledge and expertise." away in a small group format or something that would that would help people
0: we totally should because helping people present themselves in the best possible way the most professional way is how they are going to land more work mm-hmm. definitely
1: mm-hmm. well i think we're we're almost 40 minutes into this chat it went by really quickly yeah i know <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of fun oh thank you well it's well, always- thanks to for me- asking no, you got it. Thanks for being so generous to share your your expertise oh, my pleasure. With, with us. And uh thanks also to Rich and his team at,
0: yes, thank at, you, at Rich.
1: Buttons for graciously hosting the uh the conversation on the technical side. He was quite the miracle worker at the yes, last agreed. minute. Yes, <laughs> agreed. Well, Carolyn, I will I'm sure I'll see you again in New York really soon, if not somewhere yeah, to else. To be continued uh, on, on one of the coasts. And then we'll just keep people posted. Uh if we can if we can pull this some sort of seminar or accelerator or something together. God, I Yeah, let's take so... a date.
0: Let's do it. I would love let's... to talk sales with people who are engaged and ready to work.
1: Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Carolyn. Bye for now.
0: Yep. See you soon. You've been listening to the Rev Thinking Podcast. For more information on upcoming accelerators, events, or to learn how RevThink advises creative entrepreneurs like you, connect with us at RevThink.com.